Thank you for joining us today for a new edition of the Pennsylvania Library Association's PA Launch Pod, the podcast that focuses on Pennsylvania libraries and the people who make them special. Every day in Pennsylvania, a librarian impacts the life of a child, family, student, job seeker, grandparent, and the guy next door. This is your opportunity to hear what is happening at a library somewhere in Pennsylvania, maybe even in your hometown. This is Brian Fulton, one of your hosts of PA LaunchPod. Today on PA LaunchPod, we are speaking with Corey Wittick. He is the digital, the digital learning lead librarian and program manager at the labs at the Carnegie Library of Pittsburgh. Um, we'll be talking today about the labs program. So, um, Corey, could you tell us just about the history of how the labs um, got started at, out there at um, the Pittsburgh Carnegie Library? Yeah, sure. Um, we were already doing, we already had a teen services department, um, though it was really only super visible, I guess, at our main library where we had a really nice, and still do, have a really nice teen department there. Everywhere else, it was sort of the classic thing where the children's librarian was also the teen person, um, and there were a few exceptions to that rule. And we were looking to move our teen services to the next stage, I guess, and we've we're lucky that we have a lot of really good local support in the um, fundraising um, and philanthropic communities. And there was a grant coming down the pike um, from IMLS to emulate what was going on in Chicago with their UMedia program. So we were encouraged by the Grable Foundation um, in the form of supporting and creating my position, which is the very kind of jargony. Uh, digital learning librarian and now it's digital learning lead librarian to basically have somebody who could work on developing what a program like this would look like um, and see how to integrate it into our services. So I was working in our teen department before that, finished library school and got this position and had to learn all about, you know, I did not know what an RFP was, <laughs> a request for proposals for the grants and just had to kind of dive in and figure all this stuff out. Um, so long story short, we got some local funding and we got funding from IMLS to get that project started and we joined in um, the new media network, which are the other sites being funded to do this work alongside uh, Chicago, the original new media site. So we added to what we were already doing um, programming based on the research out of UC Irvine. Um, which happened at the Chicago Public Library um, based on that um, the HAMAGO acronym. You may have heard before this idea of hanging out, messing around, and geeking out in the library, that there should be space for all those things. And I like to say we were always doing a really good job at the space for hanging out and kind of messing around part. So the library has the third space and somewhere where kids would be comfortable and have stuff to do. Um, but we didn't have a whole lot on the trajectory toward the the geeking out, to getting really like deep into something based on their own interest, based on their own curiosity. Um, and so we started working on that um, when I got hired into the position. Um, and the way, the main thing I've been focused on is staff as educators, staff as mentors, which has been, I think, the biggest kind of switch for us. Um, and UMedia has been all about um, adding that mentorship piece to what we do in the library. And the way that looked in Chicago was there's an after-school program called um, Digital Youth Network um, that 
got involved with the library. So they had like, you know, graphic designers, poets, uh, musicians, people like that push into the library and offer that same kind of programming alongside the library staff. And those things became very integrated. So we started hiring um, part-time library assistant mentors who had backgrounds and similar skills that maybe would not have ended up in the library if not for a position like that. And we found that that was a really good um, addition to our staff and worked really well with our more traditional teen specialists and started doing programming there in those first couple of years. We launched the program in 2012. Okay. Um, yeah, so there's so much I could I could rattle on if there's um, any specific directions you want me to like focus on some of this stuff. Well, um, I mean, it's your, your fifth anniversary, I guess, this year. Um, yeah, coming up. And so like what are like the biggest um, the things that the kids are really drawn to, you know, when they come in? Is it is it video? Is it, you know, podcasting? Is it printmaking? Like what are the kids like really dive into when they come in? To yeah, it depends. It depends on the branch. Um, but I'd say the two main things um, that we have seen the most consistent um, interest in are music recording and sewing. Those are the things that have been really popular um, because I think that within those those two mediums, there's like a lot that can be done. So I haven't seen, I've been really, I've been really wanting, I'm a big podcast um, listener and I've been really wanting like that kind of thing to happen, but we can't force our own uh, interest on, on the youth. Yeah. So it hasn't really happened, but like tons of music recording from day one, I should say um, we started off at four locations. We're at five right now. We're expanding to eight this year and we're hoping to get the labs, um, what the labs brings, which I, you know, started off as thinking of it as a program, but now it's really just, I think of it more as sort of like a philosophy and like something that's just needing to be integrated into what everything else we do as far as like the library services go. Um, so as we go along, it's kind of looking less like a program and just more like a, a way of, of performing our jobs um, and helping people integrate that into their, into their spaces. But um, there's always an analogy I, I like to point out of the, the print collection and then our kind of programming or, or the access people have to, to lab stuff that's similar to that. You know, the print collection is a variety of subject matter to, you know, satisfy a bunch of different people in a community. And our programming is really similar and the things we have available in the space. Um, but of those things, you know, there is the, like Adobe Suite on IMAX and, and, you know, Final Cut and iMovie and like the, film, the filmmaking stuff, um, some robotic stuff, you know, printmaking, as you said. Um, and people, there's, you know, we've had great projects or elements of projects focusing on all of those things. But music and sewing seem to be the most consistent, um, you know. People are doing sewing to create, you know, elements of, of cosplay, um, you know, costumes for for conventions and things, um, or just daily use. Or some kids are making like video game like holders, like handheld video game system holders, or phone cases, or just curious about, you know, not sure what they're going to do with it, but just interested in learning a bit. Then you have kids who, you know, have really have this sense of, if not like you know, really like music as a career or something, music as a form of expression and being used to, you know, often if it's, if it's hip hop or something, it's like that is happening, whether or not there is 
equipment or instruction. People are just, you know, doing that with their friends. So if we can guide them to a more, you know, like the how do you take the next step or like what are the, um, you know, what's the behind the scenes stuff that you don't hear necessarily think of when you're listening to your favorite artist or like looking around on YouTube. Um, but, you know, we have a recording booth at one of our branches right now. Um, and, you know, super popular. Um, people sign up and use it from like the moments available till the till the library closes. Wow, that that's this just sounds neat. Like we just up our with a Scranton Public Library, the Lackawanna County Library System. They just got a grant to get a lot of that equipment to start. Um, so, Greg, you talked a lot about the kids coming in, doing you know the sewing and the the music. Yeah, any of the kids like. Have you seen, like, if you could share a personal story, if not, I understand, of how the, the program may have made a difference in, say, a student's life or one of the kids' lives that came in, like, you know, just kind of turning them around or just showing them a new path? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, from my position, so I, I manage the, the mentors and um, I do some programming these days, but I'm always hearing these amazing stories through them. And we keep a, a private um, blog for the mentors just to reflect on the programming and, and you know, and functionally just kind of keep statistics and share photos and things. If we don't have photo permissions, we can at least like, put things up on there and, and share and keep track of how things are going. Um, so there's always amazing stories in there. But, you know, all the time, whether it's through like labs programming specifically or just a relationship that youth form with with staff in the library. Um, I mean, there's just a million. One that's thinking that's coming to mind recently didn't even happen in the library, um, but it's a library program. So we've been doing outreach to the local um, juvenile detention center for years in one form or another. Um, and the last couple of years, we started doing a labs workshop there. We would go up once a month, and it was like a complimentary piece to a more standard outreach that we do in, in school lunchrooms, where we do book checkouts and have a little activity and stuff like that. And the labs workshops would always go well, but they would set us up in the rec room at the detention center, and kids would come in like expecting to play games or just, you know, it was like their rare, like fun, relaxed time. And it would, you'd always have to like win them over and be like, you know, surprise, you're doing... Uh, 3D printing today, actually, or something. And they would come around, and they were very, like, generous with us. Um, but we just were like, you know, is this the is this the best way to do this? Could we not um, do something a little bit more intentionally designed and, like, get kids who are really, like, into this thing um, and come back more than once? So what we did is we modeled – we started this just last month um, based on a prog programming we did last summer, which um, these summer intensives we did last summer, and we're going to do again this year. So – our workshops tend to be, you know, a drop in after school, you know, you're learning a bit about this or that subject area. Um, but we wanted to do like deeper dives, like week long stuff and partnerships with, with some of our community partners. Um, so I can talk a bit more about that in the future if you want. But so what we did for this one was worked with a group called One Hood Media. We're going to do four of these this year up at Schumann, the Juvenile Detention Center. And they are like local, like, hip-hop, social justice kind of um, bent um, nonprofit who does really cool work. And we had two of their artists join us up there with two of our staff. 
and we did a week long intensive on music production. Um, now this was like 10 kids at Schumann who they selected to get involved. We bought them a iMac and some of the same recording equipment we have at the library that they could like have on loan at the, at the center up there. And kids went from like day one to day five, you know, like learning the basics how to do this and then recording music. And by the end, they all had like a song that they had recorded. So the library's goal was, you know, this wanting to get the word out. This is something we do. You might not know. And when you get out of here, you know, come and see us. And for, and we got to shine a light on the great work that One Hood does. And, you know, they don't have the presence sort of like physically like we do with our buildings and the communities, but we can like, you know, bring them along and they're the real experts at the content knowledge and the people we sent up know how to do the technical elements of it, but, you know, maybe don't have the, you know, the sort of the weight of the the credibility with, with the music that these kids are into. Um, so anyway, there were a couple kids that were involved that we heard back from our contact up there, who's the social worker that have been there for like the better part of a year and have been really like closed off and don't really respond to much, but they got really into it and really perked up and were, you know, totally engaged. And our staff has been going back up to further train them in the equipment so that when other kids come into the facility, they can um, teach them how to use it when we're not there. And we'll keep coming back um, quarterly to do this week-long program. But in the meantime, they still have access to the equipment um, that they now know how to use. And they kind of became the like studio ambassadors um, to other kids that get involved up there. Wow, that that sounds like a, a great program. And it's, you know, and it's really helping everyone, you know, the the new kids coming in, the kids that are there, you know, you guys, it just that sounds like a really great program. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, I mean, I think there's, I was thinking about the Yalsa report from uh, a couple years back and it's focused on like reaching communities that we don't tend to reach. And, you know, we've done a lot of new outreach the last few years, I think, you know, in part to speak to that or just feeling validated by that study. Um, but, you know, this is one of the main ways that I think for labs programming specifically that we've found a way to connect the dots there. Um, it's, you know, it's literacy, it's getting kids in our community that probably, you know, and some kids we do know from the library, either that we see them before or we see them afterward. I heard from one of the mentors that she was on the bus going to her site, um, or one of our locations last week, and she spotted a kid from the bus who had been in Schumann for the program last month, but was now out and was wearing, they all got a one hood um, hoodie at the end of the week as one of the like, kind of like a, you know, prize, like swag kind of giveaway thing at the end. And she saw her on the street wearing her one hood hoodie. So I was like, oh, great. You know, she's out. She just clearly like had an effect, um, you know, even if it's like just a nice piece of clothing or something, you know, like it has an effect and, you know, she must be proud of what she accomplished. Um, but yeah, like for us, I think it's like teaching us how to do something that we haven't done a ton of in the past, but also, you know, we're getting like immediate validation and like, yes, this is a good thing to be doing. This has an impact in a lot of different ways. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So could you give like some tips or advice, say for a library, a small library, or even a library system as large as yours, um, on how to get something like this started? Like where should they start, you know, 
We're, I always say, since we're, we've been super lucky with local, you know, being in a city where there's a lot of um, funding for work with youth in the, in the foundation community, but, you know, also that, you know, we've been, I think, doing well as a system and there's been a lot of focus on working with youth and we have that support from our administration. Um, and since I can't speak for other systems or individual libraries and, you know, what their situations are as far as that goes, I always um, like to suggest looking into what community partnerships are available. Um, so in that, that One Hood Media example, they, I know, had met with the folks at Schumann, um, but Schumann, you know, is a county-run organization. They didn't have funding to bring in outside partners, you know, and pay them what they would deserve, um, which I don't think is any big secret. Um, but, you know, we have funding through some grants to the library to bring in partners as part of what we do because, you know, we want kids to come here. Of course, um, kids are coming here. And, but oftentimes, you know, if they're coming here, part of it is they don't have access to other sort of extracurricular activities. So, you know, what if we can not only expose them to some of these new things through our programming, but also, you know, bring in other people in the community that they might not make it to, to sort of break down that wall. So, and a lot of that I think can happen just in kind. So if there is, you know, a local volunteer or a local, I don't know, like handyman, scientist, uh, musician, photographer, whatever it is, you know, it could be an organization, it could be an individual. We've been having a lot of good luck starting to experiment with, you know, adult volunteers to have a lot of these skills to spend some time in our locations. But, you know, it could be a business or something too that just is interested in like as part of even a way of like advertising what they do, like come and do like a free program, you know, to advertise something else and get more kids to their program. I'm not sure, but I think a lot of it can be, you know, just thinking about exposing kids to other things that aren't within the library and that we don't always have to do it all ourselves. Beyond that, you know, it can be really easy to just jump to the, like, well, we don't have money for the, you know, the equipment and the supplies and all of that kind of stuff. But there are tons of really thoughtful things you can do with just the standard, like, arts and crafts materials that I feel like we all basically have. And I always suggest people look into the um, connected Learning Report and or the Nielsa Futures Report for 2014, because I think so much of it is just a sort of shift to our role, like what is our role, more than it is like a do this activity, do that activity. I mean, there are so many, you know, STEM kind of STEAM things you can do with, you know, all the normal stuff we have lying around. So it's not as if the program does like has to be all the bells and whistles. Um, it's more about you know, engaging the kids in stuff that matters to them, stuff that's interesting to them. Um, and rather than, you know, just sort of deciding like, oh, no one, you know, people don't come when I do my weekly craft program, you know, like I don't think teens, like there's anything for them here or something, you know, I don't think that is necessarily the case. Yeah, no, it's, uh, that all sounds great. It's some great advice and it's just kind of almost thinking, you know, outside of the box, but then also what's in the box that you already have around the library, you know, to do these things. And Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of it too is um, giving um, some control over to the teens themselves. So, you know, maybe the old model was like teen advisory council. I don't know if that's the way. I don't think it's 
necessarily not the way. I mean, I think if there's any kind of thoughtful way to get kids involved where they feel like they have a sense of agency and like they are doing the project with support of adults, you know, like the example that I always I was joking earlier, I always want to get to doing like podcasting with youth is this Chicago public library program that I love um, called Library of Games, where I think it's every week or it was at one point. I'm not sure how they're doing it now. Um, but they do a like panel live recorded podcast where they talk about video games and it's a panel of kids that are super into gaming and one of the mentors kind of on board as, you know, like an adult just kind of like keeping, keeping things rolling, but it's hosted by the kids and really like powered by them. And they'll talk about, you know, all types of topics. Um, as they relate to games and the games they're talking about often, you know, aren't available in the library. They're pretty controlled about, you know, not having big competitive or violent games on their systems, mm-hmm. but they're not saying like, you can't be into this or it's wrong for you to be into this. They're just not going to like put it up on their, on their TVs in the space. Um, but they can talk about it and kind of get at that stuff through like a thoughtful discussion of, you know, the stuff that they're really interested in you know, but also make content rather than just be absorbing content, which is like central to what the web is about and central to, you know, maker movement and new media stuff and all this thing is like, we want to do, you know, production centered or, you know, where we, we create what, what they call it, new media and we adopted um, artifacts, you know, like artifacts are being created and it's not all absorbing stuff that's already out in the world. It's like putting your own stuff out there. Yeah, that sounds that your last statement there that about you know making what you're consuming you know instead of just being an, a passive participant to actually be a participant in in your in your what you love to do and it sounds that's what the kids you know you see that's what they're doing yeah so yeah so i think um is there anything else you'd want to like an ending thought about about everything I would just say is really that mantra of, um, you know, library, like youth working library staff as mentors and as educators, and just keep that central to what you do. And, you know, try to find opportunities to put the kids in the lead, you know, and support their learning and just, you know, open them up to stuff. I think that's the constant thing is like, hey, you're sharing something you know how to do or an an opportunity that's in the community. you know, it's really about that relationship between, like everything hinges on the relationship between the mentor, staff member or volunteer and and the kids and making them feel like they have a place, you know, to create and learn in the library. Um, it really just great stuff flows from that. It can look so many different ways. Um, and another thing that I always try to like hammer home is try, even if it's just the craft materials, um, have stuff out and visible. I think a lot of us in the library really like to, you know, we're super organized. We want things to have their place and they can, but try to have those things out and visible because I think it makes all the difference in the world to our spaces looking creative, being productive. Definitely. Definitely. Well, I want to thank you, Corey, for talking with us today here in PA LaunchPod. We'll, um, for our listeners, we'll put stuff up online, links to the labs um, at Carnegie on our website. And um, and some other links that Corey mentioned, the Chicago projects and podcasts that he mentioned um, to share with you all. So again, Corey, thank you. Um, it's been Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you. It's great talking to you today, and hope you have a good rest of the week.
You too. And anyone, if you want to reach out, feel free. I'm always happy to, to talk some more and offer suggestions. All right. Great. Thank you, Corey. All right. Thanks. Have a good one. Thank you for listening. You can find our podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. For more information about this episode and how you can be featured on this podcast, visit palibraries.org slash group slash gaylaunchpod. Remember, membership matters.